Science Fiction University. Hello, and welcome to Science Fiction University. Each episode, Drift Glass and Blue Gal usually bring you two classics of science fiction, one book and one movie. But this time, we were so moved by what a perfect calamity HBO's Westworld turned out to be that we thought we would take it as a teachable moment. How not to write science fiction or really <laughs> any fiction. I know. So in this episode, episode five, we are going to talk about how HBO's Westworld has failed us as science fiction. You can visit Science Fiction University at our website, sciencefictionuniversity.com, and you can support the show at our Patreon. Warning, this episode contains spoilers for Westworld, the movie, and the HBO series, The Matrix, Looper, Jurassic Park, and The Andromeda Strain. <laughs> now, usually... Hey, Drew Glass, how are you? <laughs> hey, Miguel, how you doing? Good. Um... As you know, usually, since we are now up to episode five, so we can have a usual thing, uh, we begin the Science Fiction University with a plot summary, so we can bring everyone up to speed on what we understand the basic story to be. In this case, we have no idea what the story of HBO's Westworld is supposed to be, so just to get things rolling, let's go back to the 1973 film, which was written and directed by Michael Crichton. And it's very simple to understand this film. I enjoyed it thoroughly when I was a kid. I still enjoy it when it comes on television. It is androids at a futuristic Western-themed amusement park malfunction and begin to kill visitors. That's the story. Period. It stars Yul Brenner, who's reprising his role from The Magnificent Seven as the cowboy. Yes, that's true. He's a killer android uh, who malfunctions and begins murdering people. It also stars Richard Benjamin and James Brolin, who you might know as the uh, as the father of Josh Brolin, uh, if you're a younger listener or viewer. Or the husband of... Barbara Streisand. Barbara Streisand, yeah. Or the failed yeah. presidential candidate in uh, West Wing. Not West World, West Wing. And he um, was also the sidekick doctor in Marcus Welby, I he believe. Was, he was yeah. so much, he was so much, and so many to so many people. Um, <laughs> now, there was a sequel to uh, Westworld. It was called Future World, and it was from 1976, and a doomed, short lived television series called Beyond Westworld from 1980, which is when they were trying to restart everything and nothing was really working. In Drift Class, um, we actually bypassed Richard Benjamin. He was also in a doomed television series oh, yes. called Quirk. Oh, I thought you were going to say Bridget Loves Bernie. Well, that too, but that one I think went more than one season. It did. You Maybe. were you were <laughs> honestly the only person I've ever met who watched Quark on a religious basis. <laughs> I you, did. I yeah. watched Quark. Come on. Come on, Drift Class. I watched Manimal. Yeah, I was going to say you and the producers of Manimal were the people who watched Manimal. So, but I but with Manimal Drift Class, I and this is this is actually on topic mm -hmm. because this is about bad television shows. Yes, bad shows. I knew when I started watching Manimal that this show was so colossally terrible that it was going to be canceled almost immediately. And so I made it a mm -hmm. mission never to miss an episode because I knew it wasn't going to be a big commitment, you know? And sure mm -hmm. enough, it was canceled in the first season as, and Brandon Tartikoff called it the worst, he told Dave Letterman that it was the worst show he'd ever produced or ever had anything to do with. Uh, 
and you knew at that young age that one day you would want to be able to look back and say, I, I was they the called, one. They called me in college. I was, I was the in one. college at the time, and they yeah. called me Franimal. Yes, because I never missed a manimal. But now we're talking about another television show that, don't you know, it's lost its way. Yes. HBO's Westworld. This one has a much larger budget than Manimal. Yes. It has a much larger budget than many countries. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you can see it. On the screen, I mean, they they they, they spend their money wisely. It they, the panoramas are beautiful. The special effects are amazing. The money they spend on making it look gorgeous and convincing is very well spent. Where they seem to have skimped is on actually putting together a story that I care at all about, which is really kind of hard to do. And I think you have to get back to the reason why um, Westworld was created. To begin with, you mean you mean from HBO's perspective, why they decided to do this show? Yes, and it's because there was a program on for a while called Game of Thrones, and Game of Thrones had things that everyone loves: it has nudity and sex, uh, violence and special effects. It had all those and things. dragons. It also had yeah. a and dragons. Well, it had dragons, and it had a cracking good story under it, written by George R. R. Martin, and that show ended, <laughs> and thus the apex of hbo's prestige television on sunday also ended the cash cow the thing that brought people to hbo willing to spend money for hbo ended and they needed something that would replace it and i just have this horrible feeling that they took the elements they wanted to replicate from game of thrones sex and violence uh or sex and violence and special effects and just sort of reverse engineered that into, well, what what could we get that we could do sex and violence and have cool special effects and make it a show that would run three, four, five, eight, ten right. seasons? Right. I think whatever. they were looking for something that they could run for six seasons. Right. Right. Yeah. And but they were trying to replicate the 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 wrapping, the the how the the bones of the television series without actually replicating the the compellingness of the mm -hmm. story. And that's the mistake. They, they did not go back to the writer. Um, and so we, uh, we find ourselves with HBO and Westworld with not three major characters, but a shitload yeah, of major yeah. characters. Um, and I'm just going to run through a few names, which no one out there, there'll be no quiz on this. Um, there's Dolores Abernathy, Maeve Millay, Bernard Lowe, Teddy Flood, Charlotte Hale, William, the man in black. Dr. Robert Ford, Ashley Stubbs, Hector Escaton, Lee Sizemore, Clementine Pennyfeather, Armistice, Logan, Angela, Caleb Nichols, I can't even pronounce his first name, Serac, and Liam Dempsey Jr. And those are the sort of major characters for the first two seasons and then two shows into the third season, which is more than I care about. I just don't care about any of these mm -hmm. people. Let's uh, let's spare our audience the um, first two seasons of right. This, well, except I would like would I would time. like to mention that the first season did mm -hmm. uh, reflect the movie, and there there is a Westworld, yes. which is an amusement park for rich people, where people can go and interact with androids and fulfill their fantasies, and that was mm -hmm. a theme of the show, and you could sort of get into it that way. Uh, uh, mm -hmm. it, they they messed with the plot a little bit. There was a lot more sex and violence in it. Uh, certain, but but the framework of the plot of of season one was right. there. And right. uh, we're going to get into a lot about why season three seems to be failing. But I think it's important 
to talk about season one working and what worked in season one. And what worked Mm -hmm. in season one is that overall, one of the things that worked is you knew who the androids were and who the human beings were. And you could root for the human beings that were good people and you could hate the human beings who were bad people. And mm-hmm. uh, the androids were good or bad and or had were actors in the story to make things happen. But you didn't necessarily have to commit to them because you knew if they got shot or died or fell apart in any other way, they would be back the next go round because they would go back to the laboratory or factory and they would return with a new body and a new and 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 their mm-hmm. memory erased and start over again. Dolores Abernathy starts over again on the her front porch every day, waking up in the morning and and going through the same process that she goes through every morning because she's a machine. Same thing with Maeve. She, Maeve is the uh, Madame of a house of prostitution. Right. Although she seems to have a little more self awareness than uh, Dolores does. I mean, she's been programmed to be very intelligent and have some awareness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it is all about, from that standpoint, how these androids become self-aware, fall in love with their children, fall in love in general, and somehow jump out of their androidness to become more human. And that is an interesting drama. Or would be. <laughs> and And also you feel for Dolores because she, as a android, is abused by humans. And so constantly. Constantly. And so, you know, you feel for her the way you feel for a kitten in terms of you don't want that that being, even though it's an android, you don't want it to get kicked around. And it's it's a waste. And it's an she she's a nice android. So you root for her. Now we have in season three. First of all, Dolores has gone full evil and is killing killing human beings constantly. Uh, Seems to have a a mission in her life to destroy the rebellion. She's going to destroy the human race and human race. Right. Mm -hmm. That's, that's Mm -hmm. her new mission. We were rooting for Bernard Lowe, who's played by Jeffrey Wright and is, is the acting is good in this series. I do think the acting is good. Well, uh, Uh, what with one modification, the acting is good except for the people who were more flatly drawn mm -hmm. than I think they needed. Jeffrey Wright um, is a great actor. I enjoy yeah. him immensely. And his character is absolutely monotone. Yeah, um, now it is. Now yes. it is. And that's the point. It, in season one, we were really rooting for Jeffrey Wright's character, Bernard Lowe, because we thought he was human. Oops. And the big reveal... <laughs> Turns out, he's not. He's not. He's an android. <clears throat> right. And and we didn't. we don't know that for most of the season. It's a big reveal in the show. Right. So, um, but now he is an android and we know he's an android and he's going to plug into the machine and reload himself or find things out or whatever. And, and that's all very interesting in terms of moving the plot forward. But in terms of character development, we don't care. No. We, we know that if he gets shot or cut apart or whatever, they're just going to put him back together again. And, uh, whether or not he is, uh, capable of fixing anything in this world doesn't matter because uh he's not a human being and we don't connect with him the way we did when he was human and that's just the writing of the show yeah you want to jump into to where we are now in the third season yeah well and let's read from wikipedia 
just so that people have an idea of where we're at on the third season. The third season takes place immediately after events of the second season with Dolores having escaped Westworld along with the cores of a few hosts, including Bernard's. Taking residence in Neo Los Angeles in 2058, Dolores develops a relationship with Caleb. And this is the new character, Jesse (laughs) Pinkman, right? It's, it's Aaron Paul playing, playing Caleb. uh, And uh, Caleb is human Caleb is a uh, financially desperate man who commits crimes that are hired out to him via app, right? He has mm-hmm. an app. L- low-grade crimes. Right, low-grade crimes. He doesn't do, mm-hmm. he says, I don't do personals. In other words, he doesn't kill human beings. People. right. Dolores develops a relationship with Caleb and comes to learn how artificial beings and lower-class humans like Caleb are treated in the real world. Meanwhile, Maeve, who was the madam in season one, finds herself in another part of the Delos Park, and Delos is the company that owns all of these fantasy islands, Uh, and she is now living and performing in a world based on fascist Italy during World War II, fighting the Nazis. And so these two storylines or three storylines go along, right? There's there's Dolores. She's uh, in Los Angeles uh, plotting to destroy hu- the human race. There's Maeve, who is in Nazi Germany, but is also totally self-aware. She knows that she's an android. She knows how to uh, shoot herself literally in the head in order to mm-hmm. get back to the lab where she can be rebuilt and then start over again. Uh, and Bernard, who we haven't quite figured out, but he's apparently going to go try to stop Dolores or stop Maeve or in some way be uh, a law enforcement of some variety. And there was a there was a massacre at Westworld. Yes. Uh, we should mention that. At the end of season two, there was a massacre. Uh, lots and lots of people, like on the board of directors, uh, guests who were there for a party, were butchered. Mm-hmm. And Bernard escaped, and now Bernard is coming back for reasons we don't quite understand. But he's he, he the one place he's not supposed to go, he's going to. Mm-hmm. And of course, this is the aftermath of Jurassic Park, right? Um, True. You know, the, the animals have run wild, except in this case, it's androids, um, which is not a surprise since the same person who wrote Jurassic Park also wrote Westworld, Michael Crichton. An amusement park has gone horribly wrong. The guests were killed, and there's an aftermath. And that is where the Westworld original thing ends. Mm-hmm. There's no, like, well, things are going wrong, so we should do something. And then a thing went wronger, and then we invited the board of directors. And then um, one of the uh, old men, the Dr. Ford character, shows up with a pistol for some reason. And there, it, it gets very confusing about. Who's doing what to whom and why? Right. All we know is that a whole bunch of really important high-powered people were butchered in this amusement park, and now the corporation has to clean it up. Well, and it's they were butchered by the androids. In other words, yes. the, it was an android uprising. Right. And, and I do liken this uh, not so much to Jurassic Park, but to the Planet of the Apes movies. Yes, yes, also good. Uh, it's yeah. per- particularly the new Planet of the Apes movies where you ha- you definitely have an understanding that there are apes with human personalities. And some of them are very good people who are leaders of their tribe and some of them are evil. 
and you know to root for the good ones and you know not to root for the bad ones. And then there are humans as well, but all of them are alive. All of them are sharing planet earth. There's a real reason to root for the good guys, whether they are ape or human and to, to boo and hiss at the bad guys and hope they fail. And we don't have that in this show. No, (laughs) if you want a show, where there are good androids and bad androids and good people and bad people, and they're in, in locked in Mortal Kombat, uh, there's a show called Battlestar Galactica, right. which is that show. Yep. Um, and this is taking pieces from a bunch of other stories and storylines, um, and again, dressing them up in immaculate special effects. But the problem you have is, as always, it, it stops being science fiction and starts being magical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because at some point, anything and everything could happen. So, so why why Westworld has failed us? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, your your results might be different, but we're finding this to be a, a. Both you and I watched episode two of season three on Sunday and looked at each other at just about the same moment and said, "Yeah, I'm out. Uh huh. Uh huh. I'm out. No, I mean, I gave this as much." slack as i could i you know i love science fiction well, and two hours if if by two hours you don't care about any of the characters something's right. wrong yeah and you've had two seasons to get this right right we believe it has failed for a number of reasons the first reason the lack of original source material that does not mean a thing must fail but let's look at why the original Westworld worked it was written and directed by a novelist named michael Crichton, and it was about a theme park where the park controls fail and androids start killing guests and Michael Crichton, as I've already mentioned, is much more uh, much more uh, well-known as the author of Jurassic Park, in which a theme park where park controls fail and dinosaurs start killing guests. He also wrote The Andromeda Strain, about a government bioweapons research program where the controls fail and everyone is threatened by death by virus. So you're noticing a pattern here. Mm-hmm. Michael Crichton is very good at writing a very specific kind of story with a beginning and a middle and an end. And that's... Where the movie was, right? So and before it's, there was, it's the limits of human invention and what happens when human invention goes far beyond the intent of the inventor and begins to destroy the inventor and and turns on them, right? And it's a great plot. So before there was ever a Westworld movie, there was a writer who was very good at writing this kind of story and worked out every detail that the reader or the viewer needed to know to tell a compelling story. With Westworld, the movie. The story was about two guests arriving, having an adventure, surviving, and escaping. And Mm -hmm. that's the movie. Mm -hmm. This is also what kept Game of Thrones on track for the first six seasons, which roughly tracks with the five novels that George R.R. Martin has already written. This is why the series also got into trouble once it ran out of novels to adapt. It didn't know where to go because the creator, the thinker, the brain behind it, who knew the whole story, wasn't there to tell them. Here's what happens next. And here's what happens next. That's where Westworld from HBO has, has fallen apart. There's no creator behind it. As far as I can tell, that can, that can tell a succinct, compelling, direct, non-confusing, non-muddled story. And as I said, the, the second reason is it seems to have gotten everything backwards. They were looking to replace game of Thrones with something that looked like game of Thrones. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And rather than getting a story right, acquiring a story or developing a story, hiring good writers and building something that would hold their audience's attention, they reverse engineered themselves 
into Westworld just using these parameters. What would be sexy? What would be violent? What would have great special effects? Mm -hmm. And it has all those things. It just doesn't have them in the context of a story that I'm interested in at all. Who is the narrator of this story? Can you tell me? Who is the person that we're supposed to trust to tell us the story within, even even with a multiple storyline like we have in Game of Thrones? Right. You do understand that winter is coming. There's this theme of we know there's going to be a big battle ahead and everyone is just fighting with each other. There's power. You Within each storyline, you root for a certain person or a certain group of people who are the good guys. And in this Westworld, you just don't know who to root for. I also want to get into trust and the audience and how with a storyline, you trust that what you're seeing is really happening to the characters. Mm -hmm. In Westworld, they've decided that they're going to have a whole bunch of and, and there, you and I said this several times while watching it, they're going to have some Star Trek thrown in, some original yes. series Star Trek thrown in. <laughs> and so Maeve, who was a great character in season one, by the way, she was she the was. Madam Android who knew too much and she knew mm -hmm. all of the people and she knew what the bad guys were in her bar and she, and she was in charge. She retained yeah. a memory of herself as a different person with a child and, yep. and a child that she, and that's a story, man. Yep. Find the girl. Get back to your child. Get Save back to your the child. child. And, and be, a character, a be a character with a broken heart. Right. She was a character with a broken heart. And you can feel for her, a mom who mm -hmm. lost her child. But now she's um, in War World. And she's, re as I said, replaying Star Trek plots to fool the computer. And yeah, just... <laughs> uh, she has them figuring out the square root of negative one. Yeah. This is some straight up Kirk killing nomad. Right. Kirk bringing muds androids to, to heal. Right. Kirk killing the M4 computer. Okay, computer, I'm going to give you a question. You're not going to be able to answer it. It's going to blow your mind. And that's <laughs> literally what she does. Yes. And, yes. and suddenly the room is full of, of replicants of, of digital characters trying to solve this mathematical problem. And I'm like, really? Oh, yeah, shit. you're going to keep the computer processor busy with an impossible math problem. And that's how you're going to get by uh, all of the security mechanisms within the world you are. And then she realizes, oh, wait, I'm actually in a computer simulation. Oh, no. <laughs> and that's where we. Nothing is real. Oh, wait. I'm in a construct within a construct mm -hmm. within a fake world. And I'm going to use a tablet in the construct to hack my way out of the, uh, which is completely imaginary, right. to hack my way out of the imaginary world I'm in to hack into a robot that's going to steal my little metal brain from a filing cabinet, and that will set me free, maybe. Uh, yeah. Look, if you if you can just tell the, the construct you're in to do whatever you want, why don't you tell it to shut down? Right. Why don't you tell why it to shut up? Tell, Show me the door. Put me in Los Angeles or whatever. Right. But uh, no, she. That's where we said this is pouring science fiction magic juice on everything. Everything. Spraying we, it oh, all over. Yeah. We, 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 we found a corner we couldn't turn. Hey, let's just make it a, a construct. Let's make it the Matrix. That worked in the Matrix, didn't it? Let's try that. And that's a big problem. It because... is because it's fine to mess with an audience's sense of what's real. 
uh, yes, to, to, to may have some big reveal or have something that's, oh, wow, that's exciting. It was a construct and now she's working her way out of it. But it is not fine to mess with the audience sense of what's real to the point where the audience stops caring <laughs> because <laughs> the characters at any point might have reality, quote unquote, pulled out from under them. And, oh, wait, it's not real. And if you're doing this in, in episode two, just inserting an artificial computer constructed construct, you know, computer uh, generated construct, uh, there was no point to that at all in the story. No. no. And then Maeve, who, as I said, at, at initially seemed to be our omniscient, super smart narrator. She understood that she got herself into a corner in War World, which is fascist Italy, uh, where she's going to defeat the Nazis or the customer supposedly is going to come in and defeat the Nazis. She's she's in character there and she realizes, oh, I'm in a corner. I'm just going to shoot myself in the head and I'll be back at the lab. Right. Mm -hmm. And she has that much self-awareness that I can just take a gun from the world, put it to my head and I will be back at the lab and can start over again and make things right. And she does that. Except the <laughs> lab she shows up in isn't real. Isn't real, we think. It, I mean, is it? We don't know. Uh, well, the character who shows up to assist her in the lab discovers later that he is a construct. Right. And so it's like, well, did 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 anybody read this before you made it? <laughs> yes. did anybody ever? Did any actual science fiction author with some uh, chops... Sit down and go, this doesn't make any sense at all. This You don't need to make things more complicated. Yeah. You need to make them much, much simpler. Much simpler. Because you, right? you've already told your audience that maybe everyone in the story is a construct and maybe they're not. And maybe they're dead and maybe they're not. And maybe the hero can die and maybe he can't. And maybe the heroine is a rebel or maybe she's not. And, oh, guess what? Since you're already confused, maybe big elements of the story aren't even happening at all. Right. And then you stop caring. Like, oh, so shit, this is the little boy fell out of bed and it was all a dream. Right. Oh, and I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. And and at the end of, of episode two, season three, episode two, which is mm -hmm. the last episode we've watched, mm -hmm. uh, this omniscient, super smart narrator, Maeve, comes across Engerund Serak, who is apparently a mucky muck within... Uh, the computer world or or the island or whatever it is of Delos. He's in charge, no, no. right? No, here's what we have to here's here's what we have to clarify. This is okay. why it's so confusing. Yeah. He I, am he, I believe, is the is the architect of the of the supercomputer that runs the actual world. Okay. Of the of the human beings world? Right. The because oh. remember there's this there's this little circle on a screen and it says, right. this is going on in South China Sea. This is going on here. Just ignore everything I'm saying. I'm just sort of going over in my mind what's happening here. But <laughs> in addition to Delos being, you know, a bunch of androids, in addition to be this construct, the world itself is actually run by an algorithmic supercomputer. I completely called, missed that. <laughs> yeah, called, called Insight, I think, but I'm not sure. And, and so and, that big circle that happens at the beginning of the shows that is is like the language that's in Arrival. Except right? it's these coffee it's, rings, it's, things. Yeah. yeah, it's little coffee rings or little p things going off. Going, oh, there's something happening over here. You should pay attention to. So yeah, in addition to everything else, so this Sarak runs that computer. Well, he doesn't. 
He's oh. the mysterious, I think, I think, I'm not sure, because I'm not sure about anything, and I don't <laughs> care. Oh, really? But he's, I believe, the, the, a, the son of the creator of the supercomputer is the person that Dolores the Android has been trying to seduce. Right. So right. she can get into the super, supercomputer and fuck up the human world completely, because it right. controls everything from traffic lights to which job you're going to get. Okay. It, it is, All right. And so it has turned the entire human race into an algorithmically controlled, uh, efficient machine so that everyone runs oh, the way they're supposed okay. to. And so so the real mission of the show is to liberate the Calebs of the world who are stuck at a low level uh, yeah, workers, desperation of committing crimes for money. Yeah. Okay. It's workers of the world and androids unite. Okay. Well, um, so she's, so she is there to, in two episodes. So. It's oh well. So she, so Dolores is tr- is trying to seduce the son of the guy who built the machine until she finds out that he doesn't have any control over anything. Right. This other guy does, mm-hmm. and so Maeve, for some fucking reason, shows up at his house. Uh huh. And she she remember, wakes she's, up at his house. Right. She, uh, she's fully autonomous. She's fully aware. She's uh, she's a complete entity in control of her own life. Until what happens, darling? Well, she's getting ready to stab uh, Serac. And we find out he has a magic button in his hand, yes. just, just out of nowhere, uh, that freezes her. Yes, the freeze button. Good thing you had that. You and I are sitting there wondering, okay, so how is he empowered to do that? <laughs> and how does Maeve, who, by the way, in the past two hours of watching this, she has figured out every single other thing about the world that she is in. Right. Every single thing she has figured out. And she totally missed the freezy button. <laughs> right. Right. Didn't notice that at all. Didn't, didn't notice it. <laughs> didn't her spider sense didn't tingle. Now, how is Maeve so self-aware? Well, it turns out you can set an Android's level of consciousness, self-awareness, and humor based on little slider bars on a tablet that mm-hmm. half the people in the show have. So she just convinces a guy to jack up her levels all the way to the top. And now she's self-aware. Mm-hmm. It's that easy. It's now, that easy. Right. It's, which is insane. And uh, Okay, so if we slide her slider bars back down, all She'll of the self-awareness goes away. Right. Is that right? Yeah. Is that how that yeah. works? Mm-hmm. So so now we have the problem uh, Problem with the plot that I wanted to mention. This, now, we're on like, <laughs> the I, problem? In there, there's a, a book called On Writing Science Fiction, The Editor's Strike Back. It was written by George Sithers. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong. And Isaac Asimov, who you might know. And they talk about the ancient rule for writing Westerns, which is shoot the sheriff in the first paragraph, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. by which they mean create an immediate interest with an inciting incident that will get your audience's attention. Right. And right. what Westworld does is just the opposite. It just <laughs> keeps shooting the sheriff over and over and over again for no apparent reason, with no stakes for anyone. Nobody here is 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 irreplaceable. Right. Nobody here we particularly like. I have a feeling that that Aaron Paul was brought on by some executive saying, "Oh shit, we forgot to include someone that we can like." Right. Well, Let's and, and he's well we cast. Like. If you're yeah. going to have a, a economically desperate, uh, on the edge of legality, uh, low level criminal, blue collar guy, right? Uh, Aaron perfect. Paul is your guy for yeah. that, right? And he proved <clears throat> himself in in Breaking Bad that he could be that guy. He did. He did. And uh, so, yeah, I think the audience is supposed to care about Caleb, right. uh, the petty, the petty but, criminal. But you know what? All it did was remind me of this much better TV series that I could be watching over again. <laughs> I 
you know, like, like bad. You could be watching Breaking Bad watch, instead. Be, no. So here's the test. Here's the test. Not it's yeah. not it's not the acid test, but here's a test. Vince Gilligan, how mm -hmm. do you describe Breaking Bad in one sentence? Oh, I'm gonna take Mr. Chips and turning him into Scarface over the course of whatever yep. it was five. And seasons. that's it. That's, that's it. the story. Everything else is is part of that incredibly efficient. A, bu a bullet train of a plot mm -hmm. from 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 A to mm -hmm. B. That's where mm -hmm. we're going the whole time. I could right. not, if you put a blaster to my head, tell you what the plot of Westworld is. Who's in charge? What are the stakes? Why are things the way they are? Where are we going? How do we get here? Etc. And this brings us to another problem with the plot, which you have labeled correctly the TV show money problem. The TV show money problem, right? Yes. And you, wanna... you, you go ahead and talk about this. Well, yeah. Now, when I was a youngin, <laughs> learning how to write science fiction at at uh, at uh, Robert Heinlein's knee, um, science fiction stories and and pretty much all stories outside of fantasy or dreamlike stories that you want to uh, draw an audience in, you have to have them suspend willing to suspend disbelief, and to do that, they have to have a plausible economic reality. Well, I would even argue that fantasy stories have to have a plausible economic reality. Your character has to be able to ki kill a chicken and eat it. Yeah, and that's and true. you don't have to see that. That doesn't have to be a paragraph in the story, but you at least have to know that your human characters have a way of sustaining themselves. True, true. I was thinking more along the lines of Edgar Allan Poe's stories. I don't, remember, I forget who says this. It wasn't uh -huh. me, but you can't ever imagine anyone in Edgar Allan Poe's story putting on a pair of pants. Right. Or right. going to a job. That's just, that isn't the thing that happens. It, it's a dream. Mm -hmm. It's a very yeah. intense yeah. dream. But it, but in science fiction, unless you're literally like the Matrix, mm -hmm. um, the whole idea is to get you to buy into the reality of the world. And to do that, you have to give readers <clears throat> or viewers a plausible reality. So consider Looper, which is a science fiction movie where the near future looks and feels plausibly real. It doesn't dwell very heavily on how the plumbing works or how the electricity runs down the wires and not in any great detail, but it shows the audience just enough, which include failing cities, solar panels everywhere, poverty, organized street gangs, and so forth, to let us know that somebody thought through the details of the world. Right. Now, and I think so much about, for instance, mm -hmm. the, the points at which the loopers in that movie have to put their guns in a box. Right. That is such a detail yes. that you understand there are rules in this world. Yes, uh, and and the so, you're right. The solar panels on the cars. Every every car has solar panels on it. You realize, oh, this it really is a post gasoline world. Yes, and so those kind of details tell you the the economy. These these loopers are workers who have an employee policy that you can't take your gun into a certain place mm -hmm. and so they all put them in this box and walk into the place so there's their employees they aren't free range and so you do you get these little tiny details that tell you or big details that tell you the economic rules yeah and and you've mentioned also the matrix the, yeah. the rules about that yeah because because the matrix does pull off what uh westworld in my opinion fails spectacularly to do uh -huh. which is it gives you two different worlds yeah. Um, one is yep. simulated, one is real. And you spend the first half or, or give or take of the matrix in the simulation, not knowing it's a simulation. 
Yep. And then you wake up in the real world. But the relationship between them, this is why the Wachowskis were very careful about this and very good mm-hmm. about this. Mm-hmm. The relationship between those two worlds is plausible, real, and clearly established. You know exactly yep. why there's a fake world, exactly why there's a real world, what the rules are between them, and how to, how the stakes are incredibly high in both places. And you don't you don't need to know this in order to understand the movie, but the cinematography of the two worlds is completely different. It is. Absolutely. And different. so, you know, and the costumes and yeah. every, you know, exactly which world you're in by what the characters are wearing, by how, how they're behaving. And by the cinematography, the, the very air of the set is different because of the way they film that those two worlds. It's just different. And, and also, a, there is an economic reality for yes. Neo. Yes, there is. From the very beginning. He's working in a cubicle. He mm-hmm. has a job where he has a boss who's an asshole. He's, mm-hmm. But he's also, at night, selling drugs. They're, they're computer programs and discs. Mm-hmm. Right. But he is making money off of the this product that he is creating in his home. So he does have an economic reality to him. And, and yeah. there's a moment where Morpheus explains to Neo what the rules of the world are. Right. You know, it's like a game. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. like a video game, there's certain things you can do. And sometimes you can bend the rules and sometimes you can break them. It establishes the video game rules of the Matrix world and how our hero might be able to overcome the enemy and save the day. And there's yeah. a if they could cut the, cut the first two hours of season three of Westworld down to thirty minutes, yeah. and then put in one scene where Morpheus explains to us what the world is yeah. and where these why these androids <laughs> are so mad, <laughs> it would well, be really helpful. Yeah, except Lawrence Fishburne is busy doing John Wick movies now. <laughs> yes, he is. I'm in the Bronx, you know, <laughs> I am the Bowery. Mm-hmm. Um, and doing a great job there too, and making I hope very a lot good of fan money. service um, for the fans of the Matrix in the John Wick movies. Yes, yes. This, there are. But <laughs> and great, I just spoiled John John Wick. I apologize for. It. <laughs> um, and so, but Westworld doesn't do that. It doesn't ground yeah. its story in a future that looks remotely possible because mm-hmm. the androids in this story are, if you just watch the opening credits, are androids who are built up from almost the molecular level. Mm-hmm. You're building eyeballs. You're building butterflies. You're building flowers that are completely realistic and plausible. And then you dip them in goo. You have ho- people are building horses that are androids, dragons, mm-hmm. as we learn in a little bit of a hat tip to a big hat tip to uh, Game of Thrones. Right out of out of out of materials. One of the them... Game of Thrones dragons appears in sec in episode yeah. two. Right, which right. is which is funny. I get yeah. and and the, by the way, the two techs are Benioff yeah. and Weiss, who are the creators. that They, oh, they actually okay. show up. Yeah, so, I, and more, hey, look, if I had my own TV show and, and had HBO money, I'd be stuffing Easter eggs in right and left. Easter eggs I'd all having, over the place. I'd yep. be having a ball. Um, but, but the problem with that is that you have created a world where it's not Yul Brenner in a plastic mask who mm-hmm. can literally short circuit and burn out when he gets wet or catches mm-hmm. fire. Um, and that you have like 30 techs in a room and a bunch of androids. You have created an entire species at a level of complexity that is absolutely impossible by any standard you can think of. You've mass produced them enough where you can populate amusement parks with them and God knows what all else. And you can create them on demand because we know that Dolores 
whipped up a copy of somebody she needed really fast that was yes. actually very accurate, like overnight. So apparently they're like 3D printing these sons of bitches underground somewhere. Right. And whose consciousness, whose souls you can control from a tablet. So you can turn, I don't know, you can turn a Don Trump Jr. into a Stephen Hawking right. by flipping a few buttons. Right. And and all of this is happening in a world where the amusement parks are not small and self-contained. They take up enormous amounts of acreage. There's vast it's, spaces. It's, it's Idaho and Montana put together. Yeah. It's Westworld. So where yes. are all the normal people? How does Where are the factories where this is being done? Why hasn't this completely altered everything mm -hmm. and yeah. what happened to global warming i mean you know just yeah, yeah. I, I i have many questions and you can't simply drop me into a future that takes place as i if i recall correctly 30 years from now 38 years from now yeah 2058 2058 um, right that is in no way resembles economically real earth as it will ever be well and why are, why isn't delos making uh surgeons they might be absolutely know how the human body works and and can operate on them. It it does not appear that the androids are anywhere else in the universe, as far as we know, except at this amusement park. Yeah, and and then right? when you're not in the amusement park with these incredibly sophisticated androids that cost a trillion dollars each to make, <laughs> right? Uh, that you're shooting and then rebuilding with a bunch of techs, you're paying minimum wage for some reason. Mm -hmm. Um. And we're not doing that. You're in a simulation within a simulation within some guy's house who has an off button to shut you down. Right. So again, at this point, we're like, no, no, I'm not going to do that. And this, which brings us to the next problem with the plot, which is HBO money. Right. There's TV show money, which doesn't yeah. work in this show. And then no. there's HBO money. And as you no. said, they are spraying very expensive science fiction juice on absolutely everything in this show. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's technically, uh, gorgeous and impressive but it doesn't serve a story well and it, I, I have no objection to compounding complexity as long mm -hmm. as you're doing that um if you ever read um the stars my destination uh, a wonderful novel about uh with with 20 different ideas in it it is not complicated it's not hard to follow it's it's full of complexity but it's not hard to follow if you ever watched saving private ryan Yes, right. I never lost track of where I was, who the characters were, and what the stakes were. Even though it was a big, complicated movie, I, I always knew where I was. I have no feeling that, uh, that I know where my footing is here, nor that the people who are running this outfit know where their footing is. Well, and talk um, about it, talking about a complex movie that operates in two worlds, The Wizard of Oz is a very complex story with characters being added and different powers being exhibited and changes being made to the, to the uh, world in which she has to travel. And yet mm -hmm. you always know where you are. You always know exactly what the next step is and you never forget what Dorothy wants to do. Exactly. Which is go home. So, so that if you had that, that would be great, but yeah. you don't have that in this West world. No. So you get science fiction university uh, bonus points. If you write us and tell us in one sentence, what the hell this story's about. <laughs> um, so uh, we're, we're closing in on the last couple of major problems with this as a piece of science fiction. And this one is humans versus robots. Um, and I found this lovely quote by Mark Twain, who said, the test of any good fiction is that you should care something for the characters, the good to succeed, the bad to fail. 
The trouble with most fiction is that you want them all to land in hell together as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. This is a big problem with Westworld. Androids are androids. They are reprogrammable. They are replaceable. The humans are either all soulless techs who maintain the androids or rich assholes and sadists who are guests of the park or corporate goons and corporate tech wizards whose motives are completely inscrutable. And until season three and Aaron Paul shows up, there's really no one to root for on a human level. There's Not really a human no one, level. Right. There's really no one to say, you know, when they die, they're going to die forever. And I care about that. When they suffer, mm-hmm. they suffer for real. And I care about that. And it just doesn't work without that hook. Right. And, and it, it is kind of ironic that, I care a lot about Bernard. Yes. When he finds out he's an android and he's been the most human character of season one. Uh-huh. And he is he is destroyed and heartbroken mm-hmm. by the fact that he's not human. Right. And and it destroys him emotionally and mentally to realize that he's not a human being. And mm-hmm. that's a tragedy and it's sad. And you feel for that character. But then to reintroduce him as, okay, now he's an android and you're supposed to care about him just as much as you ever did. And he's going to reprogram. Oh, look, he's plugging himself in to learn new data and more information. And that's the way he's going to grow to further the plot. I don't care anymore. Well, and, just, and then we have then we have the Hulk ripoff, which is we have Bernard as Bruce Banner. Yeah. Um, he's, he's on the run. He's uh, he's he's trimmed his beard ever so slightly, so now we can't recognize him, and and he's working in a low level job far away from everywhere, so that no one will find him because apparently he's he's guilty or thought to be guilty or wanted for s- something to do with the massacre at Westworld. Right. Um, except we now live in a global surveillance state where a single supercomputer controls everything can see everyone, knows what's going on in the South China Sea and in Brooklyn at the same time. And the odds that this guy would somehow just vanish and be able to sort of sink into the woodwork and never be seen again as the most wanted person. People actually have posters in their hands. Like, oh, it's this guy <laughs> whose, whose picture is in, is in my, my magical digital newspaper. He looks a lot like that guy over there who just showed up two weeks ago. Has no one ever seen the Hulk in this movie? Yeah. Um, and then finally, we have the everything problem, which is my own coinage, sort of. I'm sure someone else did it. <laughs> the but everything problem with Westworld. The everything problem with Westworld. Um, there's a writer's group I was leading once upon a time that considered a submission from one of the writers who had thrown literally everything into the story. Mm. Um, main characters wore super armor. That protected them from all harm. They could jump out of a spaceship and land on Earth and then run a thousand miles an hour and punch a moon in half. They had invincible weapons at their fingertips on and on and on. They were indestructible gods. And he was having so much fun with the with the gadgetry of the story that he never got around to telling us, well, so what? What's the plot? What's the drama? If If there are no stakes, if everything is in the story, if everything is permissible, if everything is um, replaceable, if your characters can't be hurt ever at all for any reason, then who cares? Mm-hmm. Because there's no there's no barrier. There's no there's nothing blocking the hero from achieving his goal or her goal. Plus, there's no goal to be achieved. You're just having fun with with you know 
armored suits, which is fine, but it's not a story. It's a fetish. And, you know, take that elsewhere. Um, and so that's the real problem I have with, with uh, Westworld overall, which is it put too much junk in the development machine because it would it would be cool. They put a little bit of, a little bit of Star Trek. Hey, here's some Matrix. Here's a little bit of the Hulk. And here's some, some bare bones from the original movie. The original movie didn't care about Delos. The original movie didn't care about global superplots of corporations plotting to do something, something, something nefarious, but we're not really sure what. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't either. I want a hero and some villains and a good story. And HBO's Westworld does not give me these. And as such, for me, they fail as science fiction. And and I don't want to say what if too much, but no. it would have been a better show, literally, if they had dropped the production value down to where the 1970s yeah. Wonder, Wonder Woman yeah. <laughs> was yeah. with Lyle Wagoner. And made it each season was that different world, that war world, or mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, I think the original movie had a Knights of the Round Table it did. world. I think right? Roman world, Rome was Roman one of world. them. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, do something like that where it's episodic and they have to overcome, they have to, the, the guests have some sort of drama or threat to them and have to. It has to be fixed. And then you resolve that in six episodes and you're done. And then the next one is War World or whatever. So that's not this show. <laughs> I, I can fix HBO. I can fix this show. Yeah. I really can. I could, if you had hired me, if you would like to yeah. send some some cash my way, <laughs> I will I will tell you exactly how to fix this show. It's, it, it just occurred to me as, as we were talking. All right. Mm-hmm. Here's the original Westworld never gets outside the amusement park really. You see a little bit, but you don't see very much. And it's very small. I mean, yeah. there's four or five rooms that you get yeah. to see. Right, right. Um, and and you're 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 running through the you're running through a creek, and you're running through this, and you run over to the next world over, and oh my god, everyone's dead there too. All mm-hmm. the androids are flipping out and killing everybody. So it it is Jurassic Park. Here's the problem with that: once you get outside the park, the economics of the universe outside the park have to support the technology inside the park. Right. It has right. to be like. Oh no! You live in a world where you can just whip up entirely, you know, a, a whole race of semi-sentient, completely um, uh, plausible uh, uh, humans, demi-humans, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and program them to do anything you want, and 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 so forth. The world outside your park has to says, yeah, that could happen in this world. Sure, that could happen mm-hmm. in this world. So mm-hmm. they never answer the question to my satisfaction: what would that world look like? So here's my proposal. If you really wanted to do this, you'd make it like the good place. This is hell. Mm. And the problem with the human race is the human race is now immortal. It can't progress anymore. It can't feel anything. Every every living, actual blood, uh, blood and bone human being is virtually immortal. All the wealthy ones are. They have no more problems. They have no more cares. They're bored out of their minds. Mm-hmm. So they whip up these amusement parks to amuse themselves in. That's it. And the the goal of the uh, the goal of the robots, the goal of the androids, the goal of whatever the hero is, is to reintroduce mortality to the human world. Ah, because without mortality, life has no meaning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That might be where they're going to go in season seven. I don't know. No. <laughs> I, I'm not going to stick around to find out because it's 
it, it, and, and here's the thing. We just got finished watching The Outsider. On HBO, gonna, right. On HBO. Not going to spoil it at all. Let me just put, let me just say this. The Outsider takes its time. It is, mm-hmm. it is as slow as you could imagine any show would be. Um, but it's so careful and deliberate and well-written and well-constructed that the amount of time they took with every story element and with every character was well-spent, was yep. well-crafted. I'm perfectly happy to sit with another season of that or another or another. Delighted to do that. West Wing had all the money in the world. And if they would, would simply scrap what they have now, reboot it, and patiently take your time with a handful of characters that you deeply care about and don't say, and now what we're going to do is we're going to reverse everything. And <laughs> and you know what? He's really an android and she's really in a construct. Ha, 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 ha. No, that's, that's just jerking off with a trillion dollars. That's yeah. all that is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, 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 and who was it that said pay the writer, Drift Glass? I believe it was Harlan Ellison. Harlan Ellison pay said the pay the writer. Pay the yep. writer. Everyone else, pay the – find – there are good writers out there. I happen to know one. I happen to be one. I happen to be married <laughs> to one. There are plenty of people out there who know enough about science fiction to at least tell you when you're going wildly off track. And someone should have been at, at, the, at the elbow of these people and said, okay, if you're going to do this, I need to see – the entire story arc here mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because, and I put my finger right at the beginning of season three, right there is where the audience is going to finally say, Oh, fuck it. No, no, yep. no, yep. you've gone too far. You need someone in the room who, who would view the show as a, as I would, uh, as someone who likes science fiction is willing to give you the benefit of the doubt. Who's who, who wants to be entertained, who wants to enjoy this, but he's like, I can't wrap my head around all of the twists and turns and, complexities and obscurities that you're throwing at me for reasons that you, that I don't understand. I'm not willing to suspend my disbelief anymore. I'm there's other things I can go watch Rockford, you know, (laughs) and that that will make me happy. This is not making me happy. This feels like a grueling assignment that I feel obliged to go through because, well, it is HBO after all, you know, Uh it is Uh prestige TV. And I, do you don't it. want to make the mistake that you made with uh, Breaking Bad, do you? Uh, season three, season four, you finally started to catch up. Uh, you, no, it's not that at all. This is a show that has gone off track, uh, needs to be rethought. Um, there are ways to do it. And if you'd like to hear a few of them, you have my number. <laughs> Thank you, Drift Glass. My pleasure, Very much Blue appreciated. Gal. Science Fiction University is a project of DGBG Productions. You can support the show by donating via Patreon. There are details at our website, sciencefictionuniversity.com.